You're listening to Therapy for Your Money, a podcast about all things money and finance for therapy practice owners. If you want to feel confident and in control of your financial life, then you've come to the right spot. I'm your host, Julie Harris. I'm an accountant and the owner of Green Oak Accounting. My firm specializes in working with private practices across the U.S., and my team and I have worked with hundreds of private practice owners. I'm on a mission to share all the best practices I've learned along the way because I want you to have a profitable private practice. Hi, everyone. Today, we're talking all about money mindset with Katie Lemieux from Private Practice Startup. Katie, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Julie. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks for coming on. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and about uh, Private Practice Startup? Yes. So um, I am Katie Lemieux. I am a licensed marriage and family therapist, and I am the co-owner and co-visionary of the Private Practice Startup. I've been in private practice for over a decade and really struggled at first to build my six-figure private practice. But when I learned a ton about business, marketing, and of course, finances, I was able to reach the six-figure success. And Kate and I have both been very successful. And the private practice startup is really committed to help therapists brand themselves and grow their dream practice. So we help therapists through coaching, our marketing e-course, paperwork, and we have a podcast that's now been running since 2016, all on helping therapists really build their dream practice. I love it. I, I really enjoy listening to the podcast. And you also have a very active Facebook group too, right? Yes, we do. Good. All right. So I'd love to hear about your journey and relationship to money and finances and how all that has changed over time. Oh, it's, you know, and when you reach out, Julie, like I, I do love to talk about money because I believe that most people have like that one thing that they struggle with, whether that's their weight or relationships or whatever it is. For me, it's been money in my relationship to money. Um, I grew up, I always say I grew up in community mental health. So usually in community mental health, we get paid very little and work very hard. And I thought that was going to really be my life. I think at that point I was okay with it, but in order to move into private practice and do well in private practice, I've really had to examine my relationship with money. And one of the limiting beliefs that continuously has popped up and is one of, I'm going to put it in the past now because it's not really there anymore. I know that I'm at a new threshold now, but is I have to work hard to make money, right? So a lot of us have, yeah. That's a good one. Even reflecting lately, like, you know, I haven't gotten a quote unquote, like paycheck for my hourly rate or services for over a decade now. And probably in the last, like, I don't know, even this year in 2020, I've really finally realized, like, you know, I don't count my time anymore by dollars, right? And you know what, I might not make money today or tomorrow, but it's always coming in. And that's, I think, a testament to the deep work that I've done around money and still will need to do as I continue to advance myself and evolve and move to a new threshold of like the deserving and things like that. And in order really to be in business or private practice is you really have to look at your relationship with money. I've done money courses, I've done intenses. um, And one of the things that I realized for myself I did this intensive called the millionaire mindset and it was like a three day intensive over a weekend. And they talked about, you know, categorizing yourself. Are you a money monk, which is kind of like, I'm too spiritual for money. Um, Are you a money saver? Are you a money spender or are you money avoider? And I've been a money saver my whole life and so much that it's actually come from a fear-based scarcity mindset 
Like I'm not going to have enough. I used to even hoard vacation time. I would have at least two weeks, God forbid, if something happened, you know, I wanted to make sure I was okay. And what I realized through going through my process, changing my mindset, then changing some strategy through Profit First, and also the JAR system that I learned through my inner mindset is that um, there is bonus in Profit First, but also the JAR system has a play pot. And the play is for money savers. The intention is, is that you have to spend that money at least every quarter. You have to blow it on yourself and enjoy. And I really wasn't enjoying the fruits of all of my labor coming from a really fear-based scarcity mindset, worrying, saving, always thinking something might happen. So I've really learned to enjoy spending on myself and feeling good about it. I remember the first time I did that, I had $300 and I went to TJ Maxx and I was like, my only objective is to spend the $300 and I could buy one item for $300 and that's great. Or I could buy five. And before in the past, I would be like, I don't really need that. Or I don't want to spend $80 on a pair of shoes or, you know, I don't really want the seafood. And I'd lie to myself because this was less. And there's really no joy in that. So it's been a lot of work on the money mindset. Wow. So I'm not familiar with the JAR uh, system. Is it similar to an envelope system? It's a little bit. So I know like I hear Dave Ramsey talk about the envelope system a little bit, but the JAR system is a little bit more about wealth building from what I understand from the difference. And the JAR system, 55% um, is expenses. 10% is education. So you're always investing in yourself. 10% is long-term. 10%, and this is, I think, very different, is what they call the financial freedom account. So that money is used to invest in passive income strategies. So whatever those are for folks, for us, it's real estate. So taking that money and investing. Now, I try to put more than 10% every time I pay myself. Uh, 5% is to give. Um, meaning charity, things like that. And they always say, if you're just not at that place where you can give your money is to give your time. And I know I'm missing one. Oh, play. Play is the other thing. Play, got it. The TJ Maxx fund. The TJ Maxx or whatever it is, vacation and stuff like that. So yeah, I think it's a little bit different in that sense. I know like, I believe the envelope system is about kind of paying down debts and things like that, like savings and Exactly. So where you would you would have one for you know rent and mortgage, one for groceries. So this sound the jar system sounds a little bit, bit more fun. But just want to clarify also like this these are different from your profit first allocations in the business, right? This is all the money that you correct. Take, then you split into those jars. That's really interesting. Correct. It's That's funny. Really I was fun. just showing my spouse all of this yesterday, last night at like ten thirty at night, going down through the systems and how you pay yourself and how you then disseminate all of that. I love it. So are you still considering yourself a saver or have you changed to an, another uh, money? Good question. I'm, I'm a both and. I do save and it's cool though that I got to tell you, Julie, there is like deep liberation and being able to have these different jars and always have money to give, always have money to play, always have money to invest and always have everything covered. It's, it's very deeply liberating in the same with Profit First. That was very liberating when we started implementing that. And one thing I love about Profit First is in that profit account and in that owner's pay account, business owners can pay themselves unapologetically. So you you know that money is for you. It's there. It's for you. You can take it and you should spend it versus I'm not sure how to, how to pay myself. Should I take it? And at the end of the quarter, that profit money is really fun too, right? <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, we earn ourselves like seven and ten thousand dollar checks. That's really fun. That is very, very, very fun. When so you know when 
COVID hit, how did, did your, did anything change about your money mindset? So COVID has been very interesting for many reasons for me. And one of the realizations I had was about my finances. And when COVID hit, yeah, immediately, you know, I think in the unknown, um, probably me, like many others, I was scared. And you think of like the disaster scenario and that life is ending and, you know, hide all your money under your mattress. Yeah. Once we got kind of like through that initial shock, I felt really at ease and confident and comfortable and not worried at all because I have had all these pots of money for different allocations. I wasn't worried. I've always saved for my taxes. I guess being a saver like that might not surprise people, but I really was able to sigh a breath of relief and I had actually gone through some medical issues, um, severe neck pain where I've actually had to like taper back on a huge scale being online. So not being able to see many clients and about 50% of my clients because I'm private pay initially scattered, but I was okay. And I, I sat back for a moment and I was like, wow, like this is really the manifestation of the shift of the money mindset. Yeah. So, I mean, it, the first few weeks are really scary, right? But it's such an interesting perspective because I went through the same with a lot of our clients. Our clients who do profit first had a very, very different perspective on things and a lot more calm, were a lot more calm than our clients who had like just a few days worth of cash left in the bank accounts, right? Where there really was an urgent problem. Um, so it's interesting to hear that that was your perspective. Yeah, I think if you asked me a few years ago, if we had gone through this, I would not feel the same. Yeah. And so you have made some big life changes recently, too, right? Yes, I have. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Um, well, so, you know, through private practice startup, you and Katie help so many therapists jump into private practice, market their own practices. Um, and I've heard you many times on the podcast say that you want therapists to live their dream lifestyle. Um, so how did you figure out what that was for you? And how would you encourage therapists to figure out what that what that might be for them? You know, it's interesting. I think sometimes, obviously, we learn a lot by experience, but also by contrast. So when Kate and I first started in private practice is that our business ran us. Um, we didn't run our business. And we were working weekends and, you know, late in the evening, and it was exhausting and overwhelming. And of course, that you have to work hard to make money mentality probably also prompted that. How we encourage therapists to really live their dream life. There's several aspects in one, uh, when we invite therapists through the marketing e-course or our coaching program, the very first module is talking about your dream life, meaning you are not to create your work schedule until you create your days off, until you create the life that you want to live, until you decide, is it important on Monday through Thursday that I pick up my kids from school and spend time with them? Is it important for me to have the weekends off? Is it important for me to have seven weeks vacation? Whatever that is for you, is that you block that time out for you first and your self-care practices, and then you begin to create a business around that. Of course, the financial aspect um, and understanding finances and Implementing systems like Profit First, um, working with you guys is essential to really build that dream life as well. Yeah, so there's there's definitely a financial component, but the dream life is rarely about money. It's more about all the other things, right? Mm-hmm. Well, so what financial advice do you have for therapists that are just starting out? Ooh, I get to talk about financial advice. I feel like yes. I feel like I'm not the expert here. You are. You should talk about that. <laughs> I know. Um, well, you and I have <laughs> talked about this often. You, I know you love 
working in, in the finances, you do the financial piece for, for PPS. So I'd love to hear your perspective on it. Yeah. And I like, yes, I'm a little nerdy. I like to actually read textbooks and things like that because <laughs> I, I love talking about money. I'm, with, I'm right there with you. <laughs> I figured. Um, so yeah, when I when I rattle off certain like laws and stuff like that around taxes, people are like, really? And I'm like, yeah, you should look into it. Just double check what I'm saying. Um, so financial, financial advice I have for therapists, and I definitely recommend this because I did not do this, right? A lot of stuff I did not do is having a financial plan coming into private practice. And the reality is, is if you're a new private practice owner or you've recently started within the first six months or you're still bridging the gap between full-time work and part-time practice is have a financial plan that also includes a large amount towards marketing. So you are a business now and the majority of your money, especially early on, is going to be going to marketing and saving money for taxes. That's really important. A funny story, when I first got into private practice, I had been utilizing my CPA for a while. And um, I think I started making a decent amount of money. And it was like the first year, cause I was still W2. So I wasn't paying my estimated taxes and we we're just looking at everything. And he like took a deep breath and he's like, I'm like, what? And he's like, you have a huge tax liability. I was like, okay, cool. And he's like, like looking at me like odd, weird. And he didn't, he didn't even say it. He just like turned the computer screen around. And I was like, okay, $17,000. Awesome. I made a bonus. And he looked at me and he's like, I don't, what, what? I was like, I've saved $25,000. So to me, I have a bonus. So I think it's really important to understand these aspects. Definitely like work with Julie and her team so you guys can make a plan ahead of time. Because I think it's such a, it's a huge slap in the face when you're not prepared. And now all of a sudden, like you said, like you only have two or three weeks worth of income left and you have to pay for an emergency something or taxes or whatever else. So um, those are kind of like my two bits of advice um, is really have a good accountant so you can build a relationship. And I know Julie, you're so invested in the therapist and I can't say how much I appreciate that because we need it. And you really want to have someone who is looking at your best interest, but also helping you plan that is an expert that can suggest things to you to really look at and implement in your business. And of course, as kind of time, well, I wouldn't say time moves on because I'm sure you recommend implementing profit first because it's about the behavior. It's not about how much money can I save, right? For the bonus time or this, it's about even if it's a dollar or two or, you know, in those different pots, it's really important to just implement those behaviors. Yeah, thank you for the shameless plug. Appreciate it. I do not. Well, I, I appreciate you guys. It, it's honest. <laughs> yeah, so that's great advice. So profit for profit first, like even if you're starting at 1%, and that's the recommendation in the book, if that's all you can do is 1% in profit, 1% in tax, that's still worth it because you're not going to miss that 1%. You can, you can put 1% there. And then slowly over time, those numbers go up and up and up, and they make a really big difference. And so what Katie's mentioning is if you have 25 thousand in your tax account and you owe 17 then guess what you get a you get to take the rest of the money out and it now becomes play money so off you go to tj maxx or you know, maybe <laughs> something a little fancier but that can go into you know, long-term investing or something else so profit first really works at every stage of the business uh, so that's really the interesting part you know sometimes there's thousand dollars in that tax account sometimes there's a hundred and there's nothing wrong with that so uh, when it comes to marketing dollars, someone who is starting off, because you, you teach therapists to build their full fee practice, so like how, how much money do they need to, to start marketing? 
I always like to kind of go with higher percentages. So when I'm calculating things like in real estate investment, I'm always going higher. So it's going to go lower, right? To me, I think you should be saving about 25% if you can, 10 to 25%, right? And especially if you're building your full fee practice, right? Like you'll probably want to invest in coaching and, you know, website and probably some AdWords or other marketing things that are going to cost money. The difficulty is, is trying to build a practice and not having the funds to be able to invest in those things that are actually going to help you fast track the business. So I would say anywhere between 10 and 25% um, to start off. And if you haven't taken the full leap in a private practice and you're still bridging the gap between full-time work and part-time and you do have some money to save, I always recommend saving, like starting the plan before you launch in a private practice full-time. Yeah, so starting the practice, even while you're still employed and kind of using some of that money to get the business off the ground so that you're, you've got a running start when you make the full-time jump. Is that it? Yes. So as far as dollar amount, like is there a, a specific dollar amount you think everyone needs for marketing like when they just get started? Is that... 500, 5,000, because I see this question come up over and over again, you know, in, in various Facebook groups. You know, that's a good question. And I, everyone has like a different path into private practice, right? Like, I think it's really cool and fortunate. There are some therapists that I've seen that have, have built a referral network. And so they use referral-based marketing when they come to private practice. So they're spending time rather than dollars, right? So it is a little bit different for everybody. I haven't personally kind of crunched the numbers. It's like, well, if you're going to, you know, you could build your own website or you could pay someone 500 to $1,000. You know what I mean? So I think there's different, and are you going to do coaching? So, you know, I guess maybe I should, I should look at something like on the low end, this is what it would look like on the high end. This is what it would look like. And then people can fall somewhere in between. So it's kind of what they need, what skills they have. So I haven't really looked at that and said, here's the number. Okay. When, and my, from my experience, at least if, you know, someone is starting an insurance practice, that marketing amount is usually going to be a much, much, much lower because just automatically, as soon as you're credentialed or paneled, those referrals are going to slowly start coming in. It might take a little bit of time to build up, but so that that would be a little bit different, but not everyone wants an insurance practice, right? So so there's there right. you know, advantages and disadvantages to, to both. You know, some listeners might be realizing right now that their, their internal self-talk is not necessarily a positive one around money. Um, so how do you think they could turn that around? So one of the books that I read twice, um, and it has a lot of activities, and it's actually written by a psychologist, it's called The Energy of Money. And um, I wish I remembered her name off the top of my head. I think her name is Maria Maria, but en The Energy of Money, and it kind of walks you through your different life experiences. So for therapists, like we probably just like love this stuff, right? Because it talks about generational things. It talks about the first time that you spent money. Did you ever steal anything? Did you get in trouble for that? You know, did you steal gum at the grocery store and mom marched you back in? And did you get scolded? What was, what did that feel like? So it really walks you through all these things like, you know, where did you hear? What were the messages that you heard? Did your parents say like, do you think money grows on trees? Did you get to spend freely? Did you have an allowance? Didn't you? So it just, it walks you through all these aspects to begin to look at that stuff. And then for me is following the jar system and jumping into that strategy to that, the strategy then kind of shifted my perception around money. And then of course, implementing profit first. So the strategies along with the mindset work has been extremely helpful for me. Got it. So when you started your practice, how did you decide that you would start a self-pay practice? I knew being in community mental health, working with and like Medicaid 
and having all of these hoops to jump through and you know everything had to be done this certain way which is fine because i'm very much like compliance follow the rules no big deal but i really wanted more freedom and liberation and i also wanted to i i just i I knew I deserved more and I wanted to be able to, you know, charge my own rate. And the thing that I didn't want to do is I didn't want someone else to have control over my money. And with insurance, I remember also to working with the billing department and it was like, this one thing is wrong or we have to pay back this because we didn't do this or we didn't do that. And I wasn't going to be chasing money. And, and, you know, I had interviewed other therapists and they're like, oh, well, my billing company does that and I'll get paid, you know, weeks down the road. And I'm like, I don't want to live that way. You know, I don't I don't walk into Best Buy and say, I'll pay for this TV in six weeks, um, you know. This is not how I kind of wanted to live. I wanted to know really what was coming in, what I could charge and have that money and, and for me to be in control of that. That's a really interesting phrase you use. I didn't want to be chasing my money. That makes yeah. a lot that makes a lot of sense. Where you wanted to be in control, you get paid every time. There's no hoops to jump through. I wonder what that does to the mindset as well, as far as having to chase chase your money. That's, that's a really interesting perspective. Katie, what is your favorite business or financial book and why? I have read <laughs> a lot and I love a lot. I, I am like enamored and in love, I think, not as the person, but his work. And it's so interesting to me. So there's a book called Never Split the Difference. And the author is Chris Voss. And Chris Voss was an FBI hostage negotiator, later utilizing his skills as a hostage negotiator to negotiate anything in business, life, parenting, etc. And I love the book because it's so like relates to therapy because a lot of hostage negotiation and negotiation in business is everything that we know as therapists. It's active listening, it's empathy, it's reflection, it's summarizing, it's tone and inflection. Um, so it just makes a lot of sense to me and it's cool to be able to utilize these skills in a different way. So that's like one of my like favorite business type negotiation books. I'm constantly listening to his podcast like over and over, even recently to become better at them, be, become a better spouse too. Also so I can get what I want, wink, wink. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but I, I do financially, I really love Profit First. Um, that's made a huge impact on that. And like I said, being a little bit geeky, reading tax stuff, Tom Wheelwright's book on accounting and tax. Um, he's one of Robert Kiyosaki's Rich Dad Advisors. Um, that has been really interesting too. So I could go on about books, but those are a few of my top. Those are a few of the good ones. I, I love Robert Kiyosaki. He, all of his books are great. Um, have you read Fix This, Fix this Next by... I... I am in the middle of that. I, actually, Mike Michalowicz is my most read business book author. I have read everything, um, but yes, I'm halfway through Fix This Next. I think that's a good one too. The framework is really, really interesting, interesting as well. Great. Um, well, all right. Tell our listeners where they can find you. Awesome. So you guys can find us at privatepracticestartup.com. That's our website. Or of course, you can find us in Facebook at Private Practice Startup. Just look for our community group and just ask to be a part of the group and we're gonna welcome you into the Startup Nation family. Perfect, and we will link to those in the show notes as well. Katie, thank you so much for being on the podcast. It was such a nice, um, I had such a nice time chatting with you today. Thanks so much for having me. All right, listeners, what's your action item for today? How's your money mindset? 
If you want to check out any of the books that Katie mentioned, head over to therapyforyourmoney.com. We will link to Private Practice Startup and all the resources that Katie shared today. Talk to you soon. If you need some accounting help, head over to therapyforyourmoney.com and click on the Green Oak Accounting button. There you can find out lots of information about my accounting firm and all of our specialized services for private practice owners. The information contained in this podcast represents the host and guest's general opinions and should not be construed as personalized accounting and tax advice. Listeners should consider all facts and circumstances before applying this information and seek appropriate advice from an accountant, financial planner, lawyer, or other professional. Any info provided does not constitute accounting, tax, or legal advice.